Coming up, what an excellent day for waiting. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 34 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute opens with a concerned Dr. Klein saying, can you feel this? And it ends with Dr. Klein saying, a disorder of the nerves. Hmm, yeah, it's more like, it's like... A disorder of the nerves! (laughs) Rather loudly, um, but we'll get to that and to this doctor. Uh, For now, let's take a look at the top of this minute. Something I noticed very, very subtle. Uh, They've probably already been doing this, and uh, I just didn't catch it in previous minutes, but there's music in Dr. Klein's office, uh, and it's actually made to sound like the muffled version of uh, the waiting room music. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we switch it, in just a second from the office to the waiting room on the same note, the music is a little louder out there. And I like that. And I'm guessing that's to help us know when and where things are happening and also how near Reagan and Dr. Klein uh, are physically to the rest of the office. Um, It also made me realize something about the end of this minute, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah. And it's actually Les Baxter's Quiet Village is what our Amazon uh, x-ray tells us. And I looked that up a little bit. Did you see what what Les Baxter's about? I'm sure there are music fans who are screaming at us. We're like, you're just discovering Lex Baxter. (laughs) He's apparently a really big deal. I did notice that. I was like, oh, Les Baxter. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Keenan, for bringing that up. You know, I'm not, I don't know music very well. My boyfriend is a music person. He's a, he's a piano technician and he's a, um, he's a pianist and he's a vocalist and I learned so much from him. I don't know music very much. And, and so Lex Baxter is um, from the 1940s and 50s. He was a breakout artist who did uh, easy listening and he mm-hmm. styled the type of easy listening that he liked um, uh, was was later on called Exotica. And he has this uh, this album um, that gives us quiet village. And it's like, um, you know, this appropriation of native native music, sort of this pan native music from the Congo to the South Seas that was really popular in the post-war era. Huh. Okay. It was like this, oh, calming, the kind of music you'd have at a tiki bar or something right. like that. Yeah. Interesting. And I like the, I like the, um, uh, the irony of the name quiet village when we have, uh, I don't know, this waiting room is a little bit chaotic um, <laughs> or, or maybe, maybe a little bit of a uh, contained chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're using like, um, a famous existing easy listening track rather than doing what had become to, uh, rather big at this point, I believe, like Muzak, which is taking, say, like popular rock songs or, or songs with lyrics in them and then turning them into easy listening. Hmm. So we're using like a source, a, a primary source, easy listening, rather than like, oh, I don't know, taking um, um, Eleanor Rigby and turning right, it into right. easy listening. Yeah. And once again, this is uh, like a case of Friedkin taking a pre-existing piece of art. Um, I'm thinking tubular bells, I'm thinking mm-hmm. polymorphia and uh, inserting it into his movie. I like this. Right. Um, so, uh, well, can we Carmen coincidence this thing? Quiet Village? I mean, I <laughs> Again, guess- Again, someone has to pick it, right? There's a music supervisor whose job it is to to put tracks in front of the director and producer and, and say, like, what if we use this? What if we use this? And, mm. um, you know, the, us on the outside tend to, yeah, look at the titles of things. The That, that gives us like this, uh, we, we can analyze titles and lyrics better than 
you know, than musical notes for Carmen coincidences, right? right. Is the is the lion sleeping? Wait, no, no, that's another song. Oh, Lester, you idiot. In the, yeah, it's a different one, right? In that's a different quiet village. Quiet jungle. Well, no, mighty jungle, quiet village. They, oh, goodness. Oh, no, no, peaceful village. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can, I can, I can hear the unsubscribing. Yes, you're right. You're right. Peaceful village. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, um, now that we've pissed off every music aficionado, uh, (laughs) let's, uh, yeah, let's, so, um, so, uh, Dr. Klein is puzzled. Uh, I think it's going to be his default in this movie. Um, puzzlement when he's not arrogant and condescending, he is out of his depth. Um, but he keeps asking Reagan if she feels when he hits her with the little hammer. And I really like Reagan's response here. Linda Blair's choice to make her answer of, I don't feel anything seem like maybe she's not answering his question. Maybe they're not even talking about the same thing. Yeah. Really fun, discordant, uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a quick, like, um, he's, he's trying to talk to her. Uh, and at the same time, you know, he's, he's making his, uh, doctorly observations and everything like that. And it seems almost like she's not paying attention to him. She's not noticing him, but at the very last moment, she turns abruptly. She's like, I don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. And like, you get this kind of chill, but it's like, oh, she was listening to him the whole time. And like, she's, she's like, are we done now? Like, I know what you're trying to do. Like, I'm completely aware of you. I'm I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, uh, that, um, that creature you were observing out in the wild, it was observing you back this whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but then we, uh, cut, back to outside and we don't know how much time has passed but man those kids are still fighting um Mm -hmm. and you'd think their mom would uh by now uh be kind of like all right knock it off but i don't know maybe she has and it just didn't work um watching it closely now it almost feels like these kids don't belong to anybody yeah which which of these women is the mother right Mm -hmm. right none of them's acting like the mother no no uh i mean sure we got a woman close by but she's paying as much attention to them as everyone else in this waiting room which is to say not at all uh and maybe that's true to life too maybe maybe mom is just so tired of this it's been going on all day it started before they got to the doctor's office it's probably nervous energy because they're at the doctor's office you know and as kids do they're going to express their nervous energy in that way and they're going to like overcompensate for their nervousness and be like overly aggressive uh <laughs> that is until dr klein wheels out the cardiograph 2000 but, <laughs> it was uh, and they're like yay the cardiograph 2000 <laughs> no I, th- I thought they would poop their pants i thought they'd be, they'd be scared it's like oh no 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 they're like yay dr klein's updated from the 1000 <laughs> his practice is doing really well oh boy that cardiograph that cardiograph 2000 <laughs> um, if this were an 80s movie, it would be a robot. Right. That's right. Cardiograph 2000 doesn't right. understand love. Yeah. Has a little face. Um, <laughs> get a nice little montage of everybody getting their their, their cardios checked. Um, <laughs> they teach it to get girls at the end. That's like the post-credit scene, like an airplane. Is It, it gets the Cardiograph 2000 girl version. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drive off together. He gives them a little metallic kiss and then like something on the on the machine like blows some steam or something like that. <laughs> or a little blush happens on its little computerized face. Right. Wow. We and then it says the 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 catchphrase that we've been doing the whole time. It's like wow we woo or something like that. I don't know. And that's how we end. <laughs> um but 
does yeah. does Rodney Dangerfield say at the end of Caddyshack, we're all going to get laid, or is that just me? <laughs> what? <laughs> isn't, that how, isn't that how that happens? I, I don't know. <laughs> now hey, I have to... We're all going to get laid, or is that, is that just some, some parody that someone said that's now stuck in my head? It's got to be. It can't woman. be. He can't have said that. Like, like the, an 80s movie, like... <laughs> <laughs> just saying exactly on the nose what's what's yeah. happening did he produce it because if he did like he, <laughs> he strikes me as the type of person who's like hey we're only gonna make this movie if i get to say we're all gonna get laid at the end okay i i, I looked it up yes i'm i'm correct he does oh my that. god <laughs> hey everybody we're all gonna get laid wow <laughs> it must have been i mean i'm sure it was on comedy central playing like you know uh during the weekdays at some point um they must have like like uh, redub that that part <laughs> into what we're all going to get paid yeah, probably <laughs> redubs don't have to make sense <laughs> hey everybody we're all going to complete our homework on time <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody we're all gonna not do drugs <laughs> i saw someone online that that said you know um someone had posted some running dangerful thing and, and someone in the comments was like oh yes another one gone too soon i was like he was 80 years old <laughs> I think you just want to assume that uh, that if you're a brilliant comedian like Ronnie Dangerfield, you died terribly young and sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And was your was uh, was his response to? Oh, you know, did you respond that he was 80, 80 years? No, old? I didn't respond. I was like, oh, oh, I'll okay. let them have their little grief, but you know, yeah, like, yeah. geez, lady, hey, <laughs> sounded like Ronnie Dangerfield. Jeez, lady, jeez, lady, give him a break. <laughs> he gets no. Re- we know for a fact that he gets no respect. <laughs> this is canon. Um, all right. Uh, 2000. Um, but yeah, no, I guess mom's at hand and she's allowing this, uh, allowing this sort of contained chaos for now. Cause maybe, maybe this is the only time in the day where she can like let her guard down a little bit in this relatively safe environment. So yeah, let the kids play a little. I'm gonna have to ask my mom, uh, mother of four boys, uh, four boys and one husband. So five boys essentially, mm-hmm. um, how it was whenever she had to take all of us to, uh, the doctor or some other like public place. Um, this is before you could shove an iPad in a kid's face and call it a day. I, like, how did she like deal with us in public? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe the mom in this exodus waiting room has just left the kids there and then gone and done her, <laughs> her errands on her own. <laughs> and this is the seventies. Nobody's going to ask like, Hey, right. are these your kids? <laughs> yeah. No one's, no one's doing that. No one's like, so even when we get a shot of Chris, she's not like looking over at these kids. Like there's not a shot of her being like annoyed at these kids. Everyone's right, just right. accepting this as kids being kids. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get this shot of Chris in her very best, like elf on the shelf couture. Um, <laughs> and she's observing this while she's doing her needlepoint. Remember in the last minute she was doing that needlepoint. Mm. And at first I thought she was looking at it like, you know, she sort of chuckles like, oh, youth, it's, it's such a precious, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But then she looks back down at her needlepoint and she gives another little chuckle, almost like, glad my kid's not like that. Mm-hmm. My kid's an angel. Mm-hmm. And then at which point we cut immediately to Reagan. And now Dr. Klein is trying to take uh, Reagan's temperature and Reagan's not having any of it. Dr. Klein even tries to show her how it works um, and she swats it away. She's like, I don't want it. I think um, it's kind of interesting, right? So, I mean, yeah, Dr. Klein, we will grow to be frustrated with him because he he's not um, he's not helping, right? He's not – so for, for whatever reason, we'll see that when we get there. But here in his scene, the scene with Reagan, he's like, here, look, look, little girl, this is how this works. Like, here's the machine. He's doing the right thing, you know? 
and not just being like, you know, give me your data, little girl. He's, he's actually like, this is how the look, isn't this cool? Your temperature is showing up here. Yeah. He's, he's treating her like a person. Right. Um, and yeah, it, like, because both the book and the movie, uh, they do paint doctors in this certain way. And you could almost say that this little scene with Reagan and Dr. Klein is a little bit uncharacteristic of how Blatty and Friedkin want us to view these doctors. Um, yes. Well, certainly we will, we will go later on into the progression and, and, you know, perhaps the doctors have, have been frustrated with Reagan, you know, maybe Reagan isn't that easy of a patient to take care of. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she swats it out of the, uh, out of the way. Right. Um, now instead of cutting back to like the waiting room again, we stay in this examination room, but time has jumped. Dr. Klein has left and the nurse is back. Now, I I didn't think anything of this while watching the movie normally. It's only because I'm looking at this thing second by second and I'm noticing that we have cut, time has passed, but we're in the same place. Uh, it's not that I don't understand what has happened. Like I said, when I'm watching this movie at normal speed, it just happens and it doesn't even occur to me to question. And I, uh, like, I'm like, okay, I, I know what's happened. Time has jumped and, and, but we're still in the same room. But Okay, Keenan, this is me playing director, planning out mm -hmm, shots. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me if I'm incorrect here. Shouldn't we have like right after I don't want it, right? She swats it away. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we have like maybe a quick cut to the waiting room again? Maybe Chris looks up because the secretary says, oh, the doctor will see you now. And then we cut back to the examina uh, examination room um, because yeah. like it, it's it's a different like it's a different atmosphere in the uh, examination room now. The doctor has gone. We ne we never saw him leave. Um, and when we go back to the when we jump, it's it's on this nurse, and like I don't know how. I, like I was able to understand that the doctor is gone and and it's just Reagan and the nurse now, and the and the nurse has come in. I was able to understand it. Like no no information was lost. But I'm still like, hmm, like we didn't see the doctor leave. We didn't see this nurse come in. Uh, you know, we didn't get like a cut, you know, outside. Like, well, I, I don't think that you're wrong by by this initial impulse of yours. I think that's something that I might want to do as well. When I'm initially looking at this script and, and trying to figure out how to how to um, sequence this uh, sequence, a sequence. Sorry about that, but how to put put the sequence in order. Um, but you know, why why is there impulse to do that? Well, it's clearer. It has more balance to it, right? There's more symmetry to it, and so then the version that we have here that Blatty and I'm sorry that Friedkin, well, and Blatty as well, and the editors have come up with um, is what then less clear um mm. it is more imbalanced it is less symmetrical so you know i i really think these these thought experiments are really helpful when i'm teaching film students like you know what what could we have done here this is what it is and sometimes it's helpful just to understand what the choices are by seeing what our default choices would have been Right. So it's, it's a little bit disorienting. You're right mm -hmm, that we, mm -hmm. we cut from, um, we cut from Reagan and Dr. Klein to the nurse. We assume that the nurse has, is in the room with Dr. Klein and Reagan, right? She's right. looking over as if she were, um, across in the corner looking at the scene. And then yeah. we find out that no, she's looking over at a new scene and it's disorienting and a little bit shocking. You know, not, not anything where we're at the top of our brains going, I am shocked. I am, I am disturbed. It's kind right. of in the back of our brains. Yes, yes. Because um, what we see is Reagan being pretty imbalanced. Yeah. Um, and I do want to speak to that, actually. Um, so we're in this examination room and the nurse is back with her and Reagan is <sighs> like, like, so you would describe this like as this thing that she's doing as like unbalanced. Well, she is, uh, if you're not watching along with us, she's gripping the door as if mm -hmm. she needs it to, um, to, to hold herself up. 
Mm. Like she has one arm all the way up, uh, holding herself against the door, and the other one is sort of near the handle, and her, right. she's putting her face against this closed door. Yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah, um, and then she moves from the door, and she kind of starts like listing from side to side, mm-hmm. and she's humming, and then like this this uh, shot ends with her just kind of like falling to the ground, mm-hmm. and like. I know what they're going for. I, I know they're they're trying to say like, see, isn't this shocking what Reagan's doing? But in in this same minute, we cut back twice to mm-hmm. two kids fighting on couches, and then we cut back to Reagan. Well, no, no, no. We, we cut back to the nurse first, mm-hmm. so we can we can have the nurse looking as if Reagan is being weird. So we, the audience, are now with the nurse, and we're like, oh yeah, she's being weird. And the music kicks in, and it's like chaotic and and psychotic. And I know it's not like polymorphia, but it's the same vibe. It's like violin strings whispering and babbling like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And then Reagan, then Reagan falls, and that's like the one like oh no moment for me. But other than that, like. Take away the creepy music, intercut this scene with Chris and Dr. Klein talking about boring medical stuff. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it looks like Reagan is like bored and wants to go home. And she's sort of like, you know, finding ways to entertain herself as kids do. Like, yeah. like I, I work with kids and kids, I almost said kids acting weird is normal, but, but it is. Exactly. Like, it is. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> we, we forget that, that kids are oftentimes forced to stay and wait in places like doctor's offices or churches or schools until the adults can pick them up and transport them somewhere else. And they have no power in this situation. They just got to wait for the adults to be done. Now, yeah, adults have to wait around in waiting rooms and lines and stuff like that too. But by the time we're adults, we understand, at least most of us do, that nothing we do is going to change the waiting time. It's just life and we got to deal with it. But kids are constantly experimenting and testing boundaries because they don't know yet uh, how or whether their actions will change a situation like the kids fighting out in the waiting room. That's very much them like testing mom and seeing how much they can get away with. And here it almost seems like Reagan is like this preteen or like tween, as you said previously, who's just like done with this whole doctor visit, right? It's no longer interesting. All the testing is done. And now she's just waiting as mom and the doctor talk about boring stuff. I'm telling you, switch out the creepy music, insert a couple of shots of like a clock. And now everything Reagan is doing from the humming to the weird uh, moving, like she's a TIE fighter in space, Star Mm -hmm. Wars minute, check them out folks, Um, to the, to the leaning on the door, right? It's like, oh, come on. Like it's, it's all just kind of like a kid who is bored and done with this like doctor visit. Um, And it, that that's kind of like what uh what i'm what i'm seeing now or like when she's kind of like listing from side to side i'm almost like huh what did dr klein give her <laughs> you know you know th- this nurse though is looking at her and she, you're right she's she's looking at her and is like oh this girl's being weird but she isn't like this girl's being possessed by the devil right? right it's us with the information that we have from previous scenes and all the forward momentum of the film and and our knowledge a little bit that the title of the movie is The Exorcist and, and all right. that, that is putting that onto this child. And so we're more concerned than the nurse is. Not to say that that um not to say that Reagan isn't, you know, isn't doing anything demony here, right? I, we don't really know. The the whole scene is ambiguous, but we're looking, we're we're constantly looking out for that, right? Because we right. have this again, this dramatic irony. We know things the nurse doesn't know. Right. Yes. This idea that um children have trouble with waiting, as you described, that's really that's really well put together, Lester. I've also heard um, some people describe it. I don't know if there's any science or, or I don't know how you, it's one of these things I don't know if science can measure very well. Hmm. But the idea that um, say you're a kid and you're 10 years old and you've mm-hmm. spent half an hour waiting in the waiting room, right? Right. 
that is a relatively significant chunk of your entire history of your life. Yeah. As opposed to if you're a 40-year-old who's waiting 30 minutes in a waiting room, that is literally one-fourth uh, less, you know, or well, how do you say, 75% less of your life that you've been waiting in that waiting room for a child. So for a child who doesn't know any better, like a, a year of their life, you know, their first year of school or something is a tenth of their entire life as opposed to, right. for us, a 40th of our entire life. Time is slower for children and, and time goes faster for adults. Yes, it's and that's that's why it seems like summers last forever, right? And uh, you know, Christmas time um, lasts forever, mm-hmm. or like the time you're you're you know you're trying to sleep before uh, you know Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. Just, like, that just takes you know like that's that's an infinite amount of time just yeah. stretching. Out if you yeah. if you are say in um, yeah in your, this the summer between middle school and high school mm-hmm. feels like it lasts forever, but it's only your fifth summer vacation or something, you know, like that. It's not that much, <laughs> so you have nothing else to compare it to. Yeah, yeah. And again, like as, you know, kids being the, you know, the little like, (laughs) it sounds like, like learning sponges that they Mm -hmm, are, right? mm -hmm. Like they are, they are still gathering data that, um, and, and that's that that's still like everything is new. Everything is interesting. Everything is uh, exciting until it's not until right. you put them in a doctor's waiting room. <laughs> and then they're like, well, now what? You right. know, and they're so used to the speed of like gobbling up like new information that like, OK, well, now I'm just going to put you in a room where like nothing is new. You've you've seen all this before. All the interesting stuff is done. We're done with the examinations. We're done with, you know, the guy in the lab co- coat has left and the nurse is back. We've already seen her. You know, everything's finished. Now you just got to wait for mom and and. <laughs> the doctor to talk about uh i don't know like bills or something <laughs> you know what else like this nurse um so this is a uh this nurse with the coffee filter on her head right <laughs> <laughs> she looks a lot tougher to me than um than dr klein like if i was a kid reagan who was gonna like mess with people i mess with dr Klein. <laughs> he looks like a pansy <laughs> and i don't know if this nurse is gonna take it for me oh, no. oh. Keenan, now you're making me regret like, mm. oh, there should have been a scene where like Reagan, <laughs> like again, you know, the experimentation, the pushing the limits, right? She tries, she tries some stuff with Dr. Klein. It, you know, it works and he, you know, he runs out of there scared. And then, you know, <laughs> this nurse comes in and she's like, all right, young lady, let's, you know, and she tries it and she's like, uh-uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like there's this um, uh, SNL scene uh, uh, with Ego Nwodum. Um So, so there was this movie called it a teacher or this miniseries called a teacher about this, um, a relationship between like this, uh, you know, sexual relationship between the teacher and the student, you know? Oh. Yeah. And it's the, the woman teacher and this boy student. He's like 17 years old and it's like this sexy thing. And so then they did the version if, um, if the teacher was Ego Nwodum, a black woman, you know, <laughs> and, and then the kid is like, hey, we can get together after, after school today. And she, and she's just like, no, <laughs> right, I'm not going to, what, where are we going to go? Your car? I'm not going to, you know, my car, I'm not going to mess with my car. I'm not going to lose my job for you, you little white boy, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit like that. So yeah, this nurse and, and Reagan's coming in and she's just like, I'm in a white person horror movie and I'm a, I'm a scary little girl. And this nurse is just like, no, thank you. Yeah. Let's oh, move yeah. on. <laughs> I would say, like, like this nurse seems like the person who would like not only not only like shut Reagan down right. or shut, let's say, shut Captain Howdy down, right? <laughs> right. Like this, this nurse seems like the, the type of person who would not only shut Captain Howdy down, mm-hmm. but also like, um, I don't know, get Captain Howdy to like open up and just kind of like. <laughs> You know, so like she would, she would, she would play like the strict mom for just, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. a bit, right? You know, just to get Captain Howdy to be just to be quiet. And it's like, all right, now, now tell me what's really bothering you. (laughs) You know, here's a lollipop. Let's, you know, let's talk, let's talk this out, right? And she, (laughs) she would, oh God, Keenan, she would fix whatever's uh, wrong with Reagan and Doctor Klein, that fucking asshole, would come in there and everything would be fixed. And he'd be like, yes, I do, I did it all. 
Oh, God. <laughs> my prescription pad and me. <laughs> yeah, right? I didn't even prescribe the Ritalin, but it worked. <laughs> you know, one last thing about the waiting room before before Chris comes in. Um, so Chris has the advantage of doing the needlepoint, which is um, – it's kind of coming back now. I have a student who brings needlepoint around, uh, you know, to mm. classes while she's waiting, and it's not that atypical anymore. Or like, like, you know, it's not like, oh, I've never seen this before. But, right. you know, to have something to actually do in a waiting room – like Chris does, as you said, like with the kids, there's no iPad. So they end up roughhousing and jumping right. all over the couch or anything. But Chris, Chris has the opportunity to do grown up things and to entertain herself. And Reagan doesn't. She's just stuck in this nope. waiting room. You know, can't even bring a book in. Yeah, I would imagine like, you know, uh, uh, that becomes part of the, uh, I don't know, just the, the, the foresight or the, I want to say education, but just like the, the knowledge of, okay, um, we're building a, a hospital here. Um, we have a waiting room. Let's get some like, what's it like fidget spinners or, oh, or yeah. like, like some, some activities that can keep people engaged, right? Adults and children. Like let's, let's have something out in the waiting room so that people don't go nuts with their own thoughts. You know, <laughs> there was a, um, there was a study that, that they were trying to do in the British rail line. There was a particularly, um, a particularly rough route where people were constantly giving the route, um, you know, lower ratings. They're like, this is the worst route in Britain. Um, and so they were trying to improve the efficiency of it. And like, well, we have two options here. We can spend like some billions of pounds to make the curves better, right. And to, and to, and to reroute where the train goes to make it more efficient. Uh, or we could put Wi-Fi on the trains. And they put Wi-Fi on the trains for free, and people didn't care about how slow the route was anymore. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. See, folks. I mean, like as as much as I am against, uh, you know, like I like I joked before, like you know, sticking an iPad, you know, in front mm-hmm. of a kid's face to, you know, to keep them occupied. Um, and it, it, like I, I'm telling you, like as as a teacher, you you see the result of that, mm-hmm. um, as well. Like when you know, then then you because. Because then you're in class and you have to take that away oh. or you have to suddenly call on them to, you know, like pay attention in class or participate. And then then it then it gets like, oh, we've created a monster, like <laughs> you know, not saying the kid is a monster, but like like this this whole idea of like, you know, I mom and I dad. You know? <laughs> um, I Lester. I Lester. Yeah. Uh, me, Tarzan, you, Jane. Um, <laughs> but but I will say that. Yes, sometimes, sometimes it is that injection of, um, you know, good, good, uh, dopamine that you need to, you know, get through a plane ride or a train ride or a long line at the bank or the DMV. Like, oh yeah. Like, I don't know what, what I would do without, uh, without a phone, with audiobooks and podcasts. Yeah, podcasts. Hey, podcasts. Like this one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's all Reagan needed was a podcast brought to you by yeah. MailChimp. <laughs> what kind of podcast would she listen to? Oh, uh, wow in the world, probably. Yeah. If the if the flying nun had a podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah, like one of those, like the Office ladies have a podcast where they talk about every episode of the of the Office. Mm. If Sally Field wants to do that for uh, the flying nun, mm-hmm. love it. Okay, uh, so uh, we cut back from the examination room to the the elf on the shelf has moved. No, um, <laughs> Chris is now in Doctor Klein's office this is this is the weirdest room we're gonna get to it but she is she is anxiously awaiting the results uh more orange and blue i'm still Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what that means like i know orange and blue aren't they like like the exact opposite on the color wheel and that's why we always Uh see them together because like they make one another like pop yes Mm -hmm. um and i've heard 
about that when uh, other people are talking about animation or or design, mm-hmm. but it's just such a weird choice because like one is warm and uh, and aggressive and the other is like cool and calming. Um, it may just be that that people really liked orange in the seventies. I checked and Google says like earth tones like were big back then. And yeah, this does seem to be a lot of browns and oranges. Yeah, well any 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 colors that are complementary on the um color wheel will be one will be warm and one will be cool by definition. Mm-hmm. So okay. it'll be purple and yellow and red and green. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So huh. just by, by its very nature, they they have all this contradiction to them. But we also, I mean, beside uh, you know, um, it's not just where they are on the color wheel here. They're very saturated here. So it's very orange mm. and it's very blue as opposed yeah. to, you know, having more white in it or having more black in it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just like a weird, like, like it screams seventies mm-hmm. and it, it does not convey calming uh, <laughs> hospital office to me. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So in any case, we, we cut to a shot of a hallway and Dr. Klein has just exited the what room is that? It's it's not the examination room because we just saw that Reagan was in there with the nurse and and the doctor wasn't in there. Maybe it's like an inner office or maybe it's just a hallway. Again, I'm probably looking too deep. <laughs> it, it, like it's probably just a door at the end of this hallway and Friedkin saw it and he was like, oh, let's have him come out of there right. so we can have this weird tracking shot go through like these weird open doors. It's labeled open- A, which I would, I would imagine is like, um, you know, an examination room. Hmm. like exam a exam b but it's yeah it's not okay. i don't think we're meant to think that he's coming from seeing reagan he's coming from some other place yeah right right but yeah now that you mention it yeah he goes right into a door that's closest to the exam room and then we the camera move through an open door yes this is a trick that you've just pointed out that that i'll oh i see this is movie trickery yeah <laughs> okay yeah. great it's it's this open air office slash meeting room mm-hmm. that is his doctor's office but like I've never seen any doctor's office look like this. Like, yeah, it you, looks like it could also be a meeting room because it's got that long table. Well, you know, um, I I was trained by a, a director named Francisco Menendez, and he went to Cal Arts um, for grad school, and he was trained there by a director named Sandy McKendrick, Alexander McKendrick, who who directed um, Sweet Cell of Sweet Cell of Success and The Lady Killers. He was a British director, really, really good guy, and he would uh, tell his students that you know if you're going to shoot in a if you're going to set the scene in the bedroom, you really need the size of a living room to make uh, to make it look like a bedroom with all the camera equipment. You basically need twice as much space um, as uh, to actually film a scene. So right. shooting in bathrooms, as film students who try to shoot in bathrooms understand, or people at home trying to shoot in bathrooms, it's nearly impossible to shoot there. They're never big enough. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, in real bathrooms, they have, uh, you know, tear away walls and stuff. They're not, they don't shoot in real bathrooms, you know. Right, right. So, yeah, we probably have turned um, a meeting room into something that's meant to look like an office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. So one last thing I want to talk about here. Uh, I made a joke about it at the top. But the, the very last thing in this minute, our illustrious doctor trained to be in all things discreet and confidential when discussing a patient's condition, says in this open-air fishbowl terrarium office with all the doors open, he says, A disorder of the nerves! <laughs> a disorder of the nerves, yes, that's what your weird daughter has, Mrs. McNeil, Mrs. Chris McNeil, star of stage and screen. <laughs> uh, no, like, like, 
I, I know he doesn't say all that, but Jesus, that's the second per- person in this movie who doesn't understand that sound travels. No, who's the and, first one? Well, that was Chris when she's when she's <laughs> oh, having the talking. she's yeah. trying to reach um Howard you know at the hotel Excelsior, hotel. and it's like it's like oh and and Sharon is like oh maybe maybe the the maybe the what, down a little bit you're talking yeah it's, <laughs> but she says she said what does she say she's like oh maybe maybe the 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 system is down or something mm-hmm. like that and Chris just loudly is like oh. Uh, uh, circuits my ass. She, he just doesn't give a shit. He just doesn't give a shit about his daughter's birthday. Like, your door is open, lady. Come on. And this guy too. This doctor is like, your Chris McNeil's daughter has a disorder of the nerves. <laughs> Her nerves are broken. Ay ay ay. Um, but yeah. It, it, so that that's all my notes for this minute. Um, do we have? Do oh no! Have but you else? say something about the elevator music. Where? It says, oh, and remember when I said at the top of this minute, the elevator. Was oh, that that was that was what I was talking about. Like the um, so the sound. Tra- so so yeah. Uh, uh, and and remember when I said at the top of the minute about uh, the the elevator music. That's what I was saying. Is like if we can hear the elevator music in Doctor Klein's office, <laughs> the elevator music that's in the in the waiting room. Right. The quiet, quiet elevator music. Yes. Right. <laughs> quiet village. Then him shouting a disorder of the nerves is definitely going to be heard by everybody in that waiting room. He's quiet and, and that's, doctor. That's what yes. he thinks of himself as. And that's when that's when those kids stop fighting. They're like, <gasps> a disorder of the nerves. That was Mrs. Chris McNeil. Oh my god, star of stage and screen. Sheesh. Yeah, they're gonna go and call photoplay as soon as they get out of there. Yeah, right. That's gonna be that's gonna be the big title in in horrible, you know, comic sans font. It's like a disorder of the nerves. God. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's all my notes uh, for this minute. Uh, Keenan, you got anything else? No, I think we got it. All right. So are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am Lester. Folks, until next time, the power power of Rodney Dangerfield Dangerfield compels you. you. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get exercised. (laughs) 